Welcome to the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. It's Indiana. Watford for the win! Yes! Yes! Unbelievable! Your daily home for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Welcome to Indiana basketball. Smart takes the shot! And the Hoosiers with three seconds. Go ahead. Indiana wins the championship. Keith Smart is the hero. When my time on earth is gone and my activities here are past, I want they bury me upside down and my critics can kiss my Now here's your host, Matt Dennison. It's Indiana, what I feel is the pinnacle, the absolute pinnacle of all of college basketball. All right, hello, welcome in. Busy, busy Monday. My goodness, a lot to talk about. IU plays tonight at Michigan. Let me get that right. I'm so focused on Jawan Howard in Michigan. We'll talk about that here in a moment. IU plays at Ohio State tonight, a game that was supposed to be played on Saturday but was moved to Monday because Ohio State had some schedule shifting with some weather, at least one weather cancellation they had for a makeup game. So nonetheless, the Hoosiers, uh, a big one tonight on the road. And there's a lot of negative to talk about in our world right now, including Big Ten basketball with Coach Howard in Michigan and Coach Guard in Wisconsin. And I know that's going to dominate a lot of our discussion even here on this game day the rest of the show. But uh, this is a game that I think Indiana can win. I'm going to take a positive approach to this game. Don't forget Indiana beat Ohio State six weeks ago. I know that's a long time, almost an eternity in a college basketball season. But Indiana beat Ohio State. It was at home by 16 points. And then Iowa just went to Ohio State and won by 13 recently. Again, Indiana's got its fair share of problems and shooting's a concern. There's there's no question about that. But if you've got Trace Jackson Davis and Race Thompson and if Indiana can get something from its guards tonight, I think Indiana has a chance. And, boy, this win on the road against Ohio State would be huge to help take maybe a little bit of pressure off the rest of the way, but – I just am of the belief at this point that no matter what happens game to game with this team, it's going to come down to the very end uh, like it always seems to with IU basketball as far as the NCAA tournament is concerned. Uh, good game tonight. I- I'm I'm excited to watch this game. I do think it will be a competitive ball game. I will be, and not speaking as a fan here, but as somebody looking forward to watching the game, I will be completely disappointed if it's a blowout game. I just don't sense it's going to be that tonight against Ohio State for the Hoosiers. But, again, this team has had its share of struggles. Um, If they shoot the ball as they have, if they don't get any help from the backcourt, it it could be a tough night. But I do think this is a game that Indiana uh, might be able to surprise some people on and really help out their chances to the NCAA tournament if they could somehow find a way to record a victory. The Jawan Howard news is just terrible um, in any level of college sports to see Punches thrown. I know it was an open hand punch, a slap, whatever you want to call it. There's still, I think, a lot to be learned uh, about this situation. I'm not sure what the Big Ten does here, what the schools do here, how much they'll tell the public, the fans, what details will get put out. But obviously, I think there's much more uh, at fault in this situation than just Michigan coach Juwan Howard. Obviously, he's the one lunging with an open hand slap punch, whatever you want to term it. I've seen it 
called different things, but uh, just not a good look for college hoops or the Big Ten Conference anytime, especially this time of year as we come into the crunch time and March Madness is around the corner. Um, was really flabbergasted by by what I saw uh, on a replay from that game on Saturday. So we'll take your comments on that as well. Really curious what you guys, what should the penalty be for Jawan Howard? Uh, some people think that this could cost him and should cost him his job. Some people think that maybe he will be suspended for the remainder of the season. Uh, I think that we'll find something out, I would, uh, would think, here in the next few days as the Big Ten and the schools work through this, again, very, very negative situation on the conference. But I can see both sides. Uh, if you allow Jawan Howard to keep his job and return after a suspension, whether it's you know in the postseason or even next season at some point for this Michigan team, uh, what are you saying to every other college coach, high school coach, youth basketball coach, elementary coach out there that you're going to allow – coaches to punch each other in the handshake line is it going to get to a point where they cancel handshake lines I know some of that happened temporarily because of COVID but it's just part of the game it's the right thing to do it maybe people think it's old-fashioned but maybe I'm old-fashioned it's it's to shake hands and look each other in the eye and give them a well wish even if it's a tournament game where you just had your heart crushed I think it's the right thing to do and if we get away from some of those very basics of our sports world and society I'm not sure where we're heading, but that's a whole nother discussion. So we'll get to IU and Wisconsin today. We'll talk more about Michigan, West, uh, IU and Ohio State today. We'll talk more about Michigan and Wisconsin today and that situation, I know. And on a positive note, our high school basketball state tournament is here for the boys. We got the pairings yesterday. I'm super excited about the pairings in a couple of our local sectionals. I think things will shake out for a great, great week of basketball with many of our local sectional locations here in southern Indiana. Um, it was great yesterday as well. Hopefully you joined us. We had a, a hour and a half. It turned into a two-hour pairings reaction show with local coaches. We had the IHSA Commissioner Paul Neidig on. Chad Gilbert was my co-host. Uh, really good stuff from the coaches. We just have a great group, a very talented group of local coaches, some veterans, some newcomers. Uh, some guys that have been around, some youth. Uh, it was great to catch up with seven of our local coaches yesterday. My only gr- regret is we didn't have time to catch up with more because there are other others out there that deserve the chance to brag on their teams and talk about their draws and have had that kind of season. So, um, But a lot of fun yesterday, and uh, it just it's a great time. Silver Creek girls headed to the state championship. Uh, we were at uh, the semi-state. We had that game for you Saturday afternoon at Johnson Arena and Jeff Jeffersonville, a great host of the semi-state. Boy, Johnson Arena is a first-class facility. The crowd, I got there about halfway through the 1A semi-state game between Waldron and Tecumseh. Tecumseh ended up winning. They're headed to a 1A state championship game this Saturday. What a crowd for that game. Awesome, awesome environment for that game. Uh, And the Silver Creek fans showed out. They had a tremendous crowd, as you would expect the Sellersburg community to do with all the success that they've had to experience or got the chance to experience here the last few years uh, with their boys and girls basketball team. So fun day of basketball there. It just makes me a little envious. I would like to see Johnson Arena filled like that for a lot of games during the season and uh, not half empty or just the lower bowl full for some of the big boys games that – 
uh, take place there each year. But again, that's another story for another day. Let's take a look at the show lineup, a service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Segment one coming up here in just a few moments. We'll have our headlines, a summary of the day's top IU and Southern Indiana sports news. In our headlines, I'm going to quickly go through the sectional draw uh, for each area location and also a little bit on IU and Ohio State coming up tonight. Later in the show, Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star will join us with Zach. We'll preview IU and Ohio State tonight. We'll also talk some about the uh, Jawan Howard, Michigan, Greg Gard, Wisconsin handshake line situation yesterday, get his thoughts and see what he thinks the reaction will be, when will it happen from the conference, and is this a job or a situation that could cost Coach Howard his job, uh, or is this a situation that results in a, a fairly serious suspension? I don't see any which way that he's not done for a number of games, uh, at least the remainder of this season. I could be wrong, but uh, I, I think that's got to be a baseline minimum, and I understand the the point that this could cost him his job as well. We'll talk more about that coming up, though. Later in the show, Chad Gilbert's with me. We had a blast last night talking to local coaches. We'll talk more about the postseason, the Silver Creek girls, uh, so many different basketball topics, local and beyond, when Chad is with me a little bit later in the hour today. That's the show lineup, a service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Don't forget to check out their dinner package deals that are being offered. You can dine in, take them to go, and curbside service still available as well at Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. I want to keep with the positivity here, at least for now, and uh, go through the local sectional pairings. Uh, we'll start in Class A at Borden, always one of my favorite sectional locations to hit. Uh, 1A basketball in this area is good. Rock Creek and New Washington play right out of the gate in Game 1. Christian Academy of Indiana, Lanesville in Game 2. Borden will get the winner of Rock Creek and New Washington, and uh, the winner of Christian Academy Lanesville will take on South Central. So, again, should be set up for a good Friday and a good Saturday. Borden and Rock Creek on Friday night at Borden should be a fantastic game if it plays out that way. The winner of that contest, whether it's Rock Creek or Borden, maybe against Christian Academy, if they come out of the bottom half of the bracket, that should be really good uh, in the championship game as well at Borden. So a good setup there for the bracket. Uh, the 2A sectional up at Southwestern, the Rebels, uh, one of the favorites, the fav not the favorite, but I think the home court advantage helps them hosting that sectional. Providence got a great draw, though. The Pioneers get the bye. They will take on the winner of Switzerland County in Austin, and uh, Southwestern will play on Tuesday night. They'll take on Henryville, and then Southwestern, if they win that game, would have to play Clarksville to get to a championship game, which I think we all expect between Providence and Southwestern in that finale of 2A sectional 45. Also, 3A at North Harrison. I think this will be the hardest ticket to get. I'm not sure that any of these sectionals are going to be a sellout or anything of that nature, but just the way the bracket uh, fell yesterday, some really good games on all of the nights, and I think Friday night out at Salem, uh, sectional 30 will be fantastic. North Harrison and Charlestown play each other. The winner of that game gets Corden. Salem and Silver Creek play uh, Madison and Scottsburg, and then the winners of those games hook up. So you could have a Corden-North Harrison, which is a rivalry game. Corden's been hot. North Harrison, this is their year to win it. They are very talented. You could have Corden-North Harrison on Friday, and you could have Silver Creek-Scottsburg on Friday as well. North Harrison is the favorite, I think, in that sectional. Scottsburg may have the most talent in the sectional, 
Silver Creek, the defending champion, they've got Brandon Northern. Does the Oliver player become eligible between now and the beginning of the postseason? Is he able to be kind of a surprise in March for the Silver Creek team, which I think would make them uh, much more competitive to give them another real weapon? We'll have to see how that plays out. But the Salem going to be a lot of fun there's no question about that. Also, uh, at Seymour, one of my favorite places to be in the month of March. Uh, I like that bracket as well. Jeff and Bedford North Lawrence in game one on Tuesday night. I hate those 6 o'clock games for Jeff Floyd, New Albany. It's hard for the fans to get up there. And Tuesday night crowds since Romeo have been dismal at best, really, at Seymour. But Jeff and Bedford should be a pretty good game. The Red Devils have the talent to easily win that game. It was a 44-42 score when they played a week and a half ago, and it took a Will Lovings-Watts last-second shot, basically, where there was some controversy. Did he charge? Did he not charge for the Red Devils to win it? But we'll get a rematch of that contest in Game 1. And then this is the game of the night, I think, maybe in our area, Floyd Central and Jennings County. Uh, The Highlanders have slipped up a couple times lately. They lost Saturday night to Bloomington North. They were eclipsed at home by Jack Benner and Brownstown a week ago. Uh, Highlanders are really good. Caleb Washington's been out. He's a really big piece to that team. I think that he will definitely be back in full force by the time the uh, sectional gets here. But uh, Floyd and Jennings County, Jennings took him to overtime in regular season. Uh, if you look at the score, it doesn't look that close because Floyd was able to build a lead in overtime and win by seven, eight, nine points in that game. But Floyd and Jennings County, that's a tough matchup for the Highlanders Uh, and I think will be a really good game on Tuesday to help get things started at Seymour. The Jeff Bedford winner gets Seymour on Friday. We all know Seymour is no longer a doormat of the sectional. Kirk Manns is doing a great job with the Owls. They will be competitive in that game to get to the championship. And then Jim Shannon's New Albany Club, it's unbelievable, and I meant to look this up before we came on the air today, the number of buys that New Albany has drawn in the last, I'll say, eight to ten years I've got to go back and count it up. It's unbelievable. And uh, New Albany will take on the winner of Floyd Central and Jennings County on Friday night at Seymour. So uh, a good lineup there. Uh, Some really good games across the area. Hard to believe that we are entering tonight the last week of the postseason or the regular season before we get to the postseason. And uh, some fun moments ahead for boys sectionals coming up next week. And obviously with the girls, Silver Creek headed back to a 3A state championship game uh, to take on South Bend, Washington. It's a rematch from last season's title contest. South Bend, Washington returns all of their big guns. They're number one in the state. I think they've only lost one game all season long. And uh, they will be the favorite over Silver Creek headed into the championship game this year where I think the Dragons were the favorite a year ago heading into that contest. But uh, Scott Shane, Silver Creek in the postseason, uh, seniors, ladies that have been to uh, this big game, this big stage at Gainbridge Fieldhouse before, and uh, Silver Creek has a shot, and I think it'll be, I hope it's a good game on Saturday night. And by the way, we're going to be there back in the Fieldhouse for the 3A Girls State Championship game on Saturday. Our pregame coverage will begin around 540 or so from Gainbridge Fieldhouse in Indianapolis and tip-off in that contest is scheduled for just after 6 o'clock. But looking forward to broadcasting yet again another state championship game involving a local team. It's amazing uh, the number of times we've had the opportunity to go to Indianapolis, basketball, boys and girls, baseball, 
uh, and bring you a state championship game. We've just had so many successful teams here in the last uh, number of years, and Silver Creek girls keeping that alive for us, at least here in the girls' postseason. IU at Ohio State tonight. The Buckeyes, uh, don't forget when they played last, IU won by 16 points. Ohio State 16-7 and seven overall. They're 9-5 and five in Big Ten Conference play. And its most recent game was Saturday uh, for the Buckeyes against Iowa. It was a home game. They lost by 13, 75-62 to Iowa in that contest. Just a reminder that this Ohio State team, they're a beatable team, uh, but Indiana has to shoot the ball. They don't have to shoot lights out, but they've got to be reasonable from the perimeter uh, from three-point range for the Trace Jackson Davis threat down low to take full effect. Race Thompson as well, and I think for Indiana to have the best chance in that ball game. Race, uh, I should say, Race and Trace, but Trace specifically needs a big game, an efficient game, and IU's got to get some help from shooting in that contest tonight. We'll talk more about IU and Wisconsin coming up here in just a bit. We'll head to a commercial break. Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star is next. We'll talk all about IU Ohio State tonight. We'll get into Michigan Wisconsin yesterday. Jawan Howard, uh, your thoughts as well. Five zero two four one four fourteen fifty. Uh, the Thornton's text line is always open. I'd love to hear what you have to say about the Jawan Howard situation yesterday. Should he be fired? Should he be suspended? What do you think the announcement will be? And then all, obviously your, your questions, comments, thoughts, predictions on IU Ohio State tonight. We'll get those on the air as well. 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. Don't forget, Thornton's is the perfect stop for all the best pick-me-up items you need to get your day started, like their fresh coffee and delicious donuts. We'll head to a break. Zach Osterman is next. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. I'll handle this the way I want to handle it now that I'm here. You f***ed it up to begin with. Now just sit there or leave. I don't give a what you do. Now, back to the game. Here's Matt Dennison. All right, we're back here on this Monday program. Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star is my guest, and I promise that we'll get to uh, IU Ohio State and preview that contest for you coming up here in a bit. But I do want to get to uh, what we talked a lot about in the first segment today. That's Jawan Howard, Greg Gard, Michigan, Wisconsin yesterday. And Zach is a very insightful person uh, with a lot of good thoughts, and he joins us Mondays. And Zach, I'd like to start with that. Uh, what's the penalty here? Is uh, you know, there's there's been calls for Jawan Howard's job. There's been calls for a lengthy suspension. And I will be curious when we do hear, hear from the conference. Um, what all is handed down, maybe not just to Jawan Howard, but to Greg Gard and potentially others that were involved from players to assistant coaches. Just a, a wild and wacky and a very concerning situation yesterday. I think it's a big moment for Kevin Warren, frankly. You know, a commissioner doesn't have to do this a lot, but he does have to do it sometimes. And and he needs, he needs people to know that he's willing to punish and he's willing to be thorough about it, he's willing to be fair about it. Uh, but he's willing to be, you know, tough when he needs to be. And this isn't, you know, if this happened, I mean, no offense intended, but like if this happened at a Big Ten baseball game or a Big Ten tennis match, it 
it would be on SportsCenter, it would go viral on Twitter, and then we'd forget about it. This is going to get talked about the rest of the season. It's going to get talked about in the Big Ten tournament, the NCAA tournament. Where it's going to get it's going to come up again next year. Like it, it this is this isn't something that's going to go away. Now, I think it was Brendan Quinn from the Athletic who pointed out that there's a limit to how much the Big Ten can suspend Juwan Howard. It's either two or three games, and then like a fine of like ten thousand dollars. But Michigan can add on top of that, and I think this is probably one of those situations where. I mean, it should go without saying, but like what Juwan Howard did, regardless of whatever anyone else did, and I don't even want to get into the arguments about the timeout and all that and what's sportsmanlike and what's not, but like, you know, what Juwan Howard did just, you know, on an island in a vacuum just is unacceptable. And I think at very least, and I don't know how many games Michigan has left in the regular season, I think at very least we should probably be talking about suspending him for the rest of the regular season. I think what it would – probably behoove all parties. I don't really necessarily agree that he should lose his job. Um, I know people, I know some people have suggested, I know you didn't really, but I know some people have. Um, I think what would maybe be best is if Michigan and the Big Ten kind of work hand in hand on this, and Michigan is sort of waiting for a penalty, waiting for the Big Ten to hand out its decision, and then you know, Michigan kind of adds something on at the end to kind of make it clear that, that everyone is taking this seriously. Um, I, I think it, I mean, I, I do also think, frankly, you know, Jawan Howard being maybe having committed the most egregious act does not mean no one else committed an act. I think there's probably got to be some examination of, of Greg Gard's role. Again, not really the timeout, not pressing down 15, that kind of stuff. I, I don't, but like a, a, an experienced head coach should know that that's not the time and the place to essentially confront another head coach who's clearly frustrated um, and put your hands on him and demand that he listen to you explain yourself. That's just that, – and I'm not saying get rid of handshake lines. I'm just saying every head coach should know that's not the time or the place, and that's not the way to handle that. That's not the way to – even if you feel like you just want to defend yourself, even if you feel like you were in the right, you just want to explain what your process thought process was, there's time to do that when everybody's calmed down when the heat of competition is gone, when the frustration of a loss has subsided, that's not the time to do it. I think that there's been, I've watched it back a few times. I'm sure everybody else has. There's a few players that appeared to have thrown punches. I think a player from Wisconsin even landed a punch. Do you imagine there's going to be some suspensions coming down there? And then the other one, and I, I don't, you have to, it's hard to kind of talk about this because, like, it, it turns tribal really fast. It turns really, like, whose side are you on? Who was wrong? You know, who was the most wrong? But if you watch, and again, I've watched it back two or three times, if you watch the whole thing play out, it goes up a level when Joe Krabenhoff gets into it. And Krabenhoff is a Wisconsin assistant. Obviously, he's a former player at Wisconsin. And I'm not for a moment suggesting I know if what he said or what he did or anything like that. Like, I don't – I'm not casting any aspersions in that regard. But everybody's body language changes. And, and a lot of the, if you want to say adults, I know players are adults, but, but we're talking about, you know, there's assistant coaches in there. There's a, a, a police officer in the middle of it. There are even some players on both sides kind of trying to separate it and break it up. And then Krabenhoff gets involved, and frankly, it does not look like he's trying to, to break it up and everything kind of goes up a notch after he gets involved. 
I think that there's probably some consideration if you're the Big Ten, not so much in, in punishing whatever specifically it was Joe Krabinoff did or said, but we have rules regarding, for example, players coming off the bench and, and being thrown out for coming off the bench in a fight situation on the floor. I think there's maybe also some consideration here of saying we can't have assistants, you know, coming in and basically conflagrating this kind of stuff. We, you know, it, it, we can't have, and not just assistants, but really anybody, you know, support staff, players, I mean, fans, I guess, anybody. You can't have a situation where this all kicks off and then somebody jumps in and seems to incite it further. I think that's really problematic. And again, I'm not suggesting that, you know, whatever Joe Krabenhoff did was worse than what Juwan Howard did. I, there's there's levels to that. And I, I think Juwan Howard, we can all agree, is probably the most, you know, sort of offending party, if you want to say in this. But I think there's probably also some consideration of that because it, it the reason we have that rule about players not being allowed to come off the bench when there's some sort of scuffle on the floor is because of what it can lead to. It can lead to basically an acceleration of the whole thing. It can lead everybody to get more involved. It can lead things to become more physical and more heated and things to kind of turn up a few degrees. I think there's maybe needs to be some consideration around just whatever happened with Joe Krabenhoff here for that reason as well. It, it, not exactly the same thing, but it's not far off. Either way, I mean, it's an ugly scene. Um, it's not something anybody wants. Listen, I'm, I'm, I'm up for a little bit of rivalry as much as anybody else. I'm up for some heated stuff, for some, you know, it's, it's fine if everybody wants to be a little chippy, but there has got to be, there's a water's edge that got left far behind Sunday in Madison. Um, certainly by Jawan Howard, probably by some other folks as well. And I think the league and the institutions involved, frankly, need to step up and kind of lead on this and set a precedent that, that just sort of says this, this kind of incident just can't, can't be something the Big Ten is known for. Zach Osterman, the Indianapolis star, my guess. One more thing on Jawan Howard, and I had to look this up to be sure, but I, I'm pretty sure uh, that this was yesterday was the third handshake line issue for him once was with uh, I think Turgeon the former Maryland coach who left earlier this season at the Big Ten tournament last year and then something happened I couldn't find all the particulars but something happened after the game this year with Rutgers uh, and so yesterday would be number three that that's concerning and kind of a um, again, uh, repeated behavior maybe of some sort that after a game, as I thought, think you very well described earlier in our interview, is just, you know, that's not the time nor place for anything like that at all. And, and this is really the third opportunity, the third time something similar, not near as bad or vocal or as social media trendy, uh, but the third time something's come up with Jawan Howard in Michigan in the handshake line. And I think that's where Michigan probably needs to be part of this. And I thought Ward Manuel, you know, frankly, I, I didn't think either coach kind of covered himself in glory after the fact. It seemed like everybody was interested in sticking to their guns and defending that. That's probably a bad metaphor, forgive me, but you know what I mean, sort of defending their position and, and not really kind of giving it any ground in terms of saying, well, maybe I was wrong, or at the very least, you know, I apologize or whatever. And I didn't watch, admittedly, the full press conferences from either coach, but that was the tenor I got from from both sort of the coverage of both coaches' press conferences post-game Sunday. 
I thought Ward Manuel's statement was strong. I thought it was detailed. I thought it was pointed. And I thought it was encouraging because I think it's that specifically, you know, because there is an element of this that the conference has got to handle. And then there's an element of this that, again, I think both athletic departments kind of need to, to, you know, manage their own house a little bit on this. And from Michigan's perspective, I think that's where Michigan's response is important because I think that it's, you know, Jawan Howard in particular with that, I think a lot of people, including me, thought back to that incident with Mark Turgeon last season. I think it was in the Big Ten tournament. John Howard kind of got off with a warning on that, and it wasn't anywhere near as serious as this, obviously. But, you know, it, it, I mean, I'm not for a moment calling out, you know, coaches present or past, but you and I both cover and talk a lot about an institution that, that dealt with this a decent amount down the years. Um, it, it can become very complicated if you are not tough on it know kind of early or if you don't set out a very sort of distinct these are our expectations these are our punishments etc i think that that's where michigan's kind of got to get get tough here and and just sort of say let the big 10 do what it's going to do and then there's got to be something on top from us again i, I don't know that firing juan howard is is necessarily the right decision here um unless there's some sort of zero tolerance policy we're not aware of, which I feel like at this point we would be, given obviously the breadth of media coverage dedicated to this. Um, but I do think that that's where, with excuse me, where Michigan kind of needs to go above and beyond whatever the Big Ten does, and, and just just lay out some, you know, lay out with actions as much as words something that says we're not going to, you know, we're not going to do this, we're not going to tolerate this, we're not going to, we're not going to stand for this, we're just not. You need to. Uh, we need to really make a strong statement early here that, that kind of sets a bar and lets everybody, not just Juan Howard, but everybody involved know we're not going to tolerate this. All right, Zach Osterman, the Indianapolis Star. Uh, we've got some text on the Thornton's text line. I'll catch up on those here in just a moment. But I do want to get to IU Ohio State tonight. You're en route to the ball game. Uh, maybe just a thumbnail sketch, an overview of what you see both sides heading into this big showdown tonight. It's funny. I mean, I would have told you it was maybe as tough as any game IU's got remaining, including Purdue, until Ohio State, you know, kind of fell apart defensively uh, on Saturday against uh, Iowa. And listen, I mean, Iowa, Iowa can do things offensively. A lot of teams in the league can't because they just have, you know, two, three different guys that can just kind of go off on you in any given night. But um, Ohio State's a tough team for me. I mean, they've got one of the best efficiency margins in the league. It was obviously better before Saturday's loss but they can make threes. They've got a focal point player in EJ Liddell who needs to be on everybody's Big Ten player of the year ballot somewhere. If he's not one, he's probably got to be top three at this point with respect to the likes of Keegan Murray and Johnny Davis. Um, you know, I think Indiana did a good job of covering him in, in Bloomington, but doing it in a friend, you know, in front of a friendly crowd and assembly hall and doing it on the road in Columbus are two different things. Indiana obviously hasn't had a lot of success in Columbus in the last 10, 15 years. I think they've won like twice there, maybe in the last 15 years or so. Um, but this is the sort of game that if you're Indiana, you've, you've kind of stuck yourself in the position where it's not a must win. The season's not over if they lose it, but you're running out of chances to turn this thing around and you're slipping very much in the wrong direction. A win at Ohio State, obviously – you know, just, just shoots you right back off the bubble and into the tournament comfortably, yada, yada, yada. It's not easy, 
Ohio State is, is tough. They're very tough at home. I think they're better than when Indiana played them in Bloomington as well. I think they're a little healthier. Um, I think they're just a little bit more sort of well-rounded. But, you know, this is, I mean, this is, you do sort of, if you're Indiana, you look at it and say, well, this is the challenge. You know, this, this is the position we put ourselves in. Um, you had the unexpected week off. Now you've got to play three games in a week. You've got to play five games in 13 days. And you probably need to win at least three of them. And maybe only two if this is one of them, but certainly if three, if not. And I would say even then, three is probably your minimum if you want to make the NCAA tournament. Um, it is, if I may use a phrase, edit this out if you need to now, you know what I'll, I'll i'll leave that on the, i'll leave that on before it is uh it, it's go time for indiana it, it's time to prove yourself or, or get found out and that's just that is reality it's it's, it's the harsh position they put themselves in but they got to find a way to win some of these games and a win tonight would be a really big one I tell you, I know this sounds so trivial based on all the issues with Indiana's guards and offense and shooting, but uh, the number one thing I'm curious to see tonight, and I think the number one thing that affects IU's chances to be competitive or maybe even win this game on the road, it all comes down to Indiana's guard play. So much about the offense and shooting starts and ends with them. I think we're to the point of the year where generally you can know what you're going to get from Trace Jackson Davis. Um, generally, you know what you're going to get from Race Thompson. It's Indiana's guards that are going to be so pivotal, pivotal in a game like tonight. And I think it's been that way for a while. I mean, you know, when you think back to some of Indiana's best performances of the season, um, you know, Purdue, Xavier Johnson, and Rob Finnessy were huge. You know, you go to Maryland, which is obviously Indiana's last win and, and looked so promising for them at the time. Xavier Johnson, I don't think, scores a lot that day, but he has something like nine assists and two turnovers. It feels like that game is played on his terms and with him in command pretty much all 40 minutes, when he, at least when he's on the floor. Um, obviously, Trey Galloway has had some really good games that I think fall into that as well, but it just hasn't been consistent. And it certainly has, you know, Johnson has struggled, but I think he's also had some really good days. It's been outside Xavier Johnson when, when he's not – when teams have been able to take him away, and I think increasingly teams feel like they can just game plan heavy toward him because they don't have to respect other, you know, backcourt players, wing players, especially from an offensive perspective, it is getting easier for them to take him away. There's not that second player to pivot to. It's been Galloway at times, it's been Fennessey at times. We know Fennessey won't play tonight. Still not clear when or if we're going to see him again this year. Um, it, it does start to feel like you're you're drifting toward the end of the season and he's still stuck in this sort of rehab pattern. Um, but I think it's been that way for a while because I think you're right. You, you know what you, you're going to get from Trace Jackson Davis and Race Thompson in the aggregate. Together they're going to give you 30-something points, 15-something rebounds. They're going to protect the rim. They're going to make it hard inside. They're going to be able to defend without fouling too much. Um, but I think Indiana's averaging like less than five threes made per game in its last like five games. And that's just, I mean, that's horrible. Like, that's just, that's, that's, and that's, we can talk about three-point shooting, but that is more widely reflective of what you're talking about, which is Indiana needs one or two guards to really be seizing kind of the opportunity here, and they just aren't getting that. And it's, it's reflected in, in the performances, it's reflected in the results, and it's why Indiana is back here, you know, kind of staring down the barrel of potentially another season in the NIT. Zach Osterman, the Indianapolis star, he joins us Monday. Zach, uh, have a safe trip the rest of the way to Columbus, and we'll talk with you next week. 
Absolutely. Thanks for having me, as always. 7 o'clock tip-off tonight, pregame coverage at 6 p.m. here on the Big X. And, by the way, somebody asked me the game, what television station is it on? It's on Fox Sports 1 tonight uh, is where you can find the IU game at Value City Arena in Columbus. Let's get to the Thornton's text line, 502-414-1450. Texter says, you cannot allow Howard's behavior to become acceptable at any level. Howard should have been fired yesterday. And another texter writes, Howard was a pampered and coveted player that accepted money to go to Michigan and never personally had to pay any consequences. He is used he is used to getting his way at every juncture and must finally be held accountable and terminated. So two texts on the subject, and uh, both think Coach Howard should be terminated. Also, another texter, this guy's always writing me about high school stuff. He says, any updates to why the Silver Creek transfer still isn't available to play? Seem like a cut-and-dry, legit transfer. Be nice to hear what's holding it up and why Coach Hoffman wasn't asked about it on your show last night. Well, let me tell you, I'm all about talking about high school transfers and the epidemic it's become. Uh, I'm all about talking and debating rules or new rules that should be put in place. But ultimately, when players transfer, we're talking about high school students, kids that are often under 18. I have to assume that there's some sort of holdup in the process with the transfer coming into Silver Creek from Madison. I don't know those particulars. And the reason Coach Hoffman wasn't asked about it last night on our pairing special show is because that show is about where your team is at now and getting ready for the brackets and the draw as they just came down from Indianapolis. So it's the respectful thing to do to talk about his current team and what Silver Creek's path forward in the tournament looks like, uh, no matter who's on their roster. So that's an answer to you there, bud, on uh, your question about uh, the Oliver kid at Silver Creek. We'll head to a commercial break. You're listening to a Monday edition of the program. Thanks so much for being with us. Chad Gilbert's next. More on local sports. We'll talk about Silver Creek headed back to the girls' state championship game. We'll talk about the sectional pairings that came out yesterday And it was a big week of high school hoops in general. Stay with us for all that with Chad next here on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Let's win this and for all the small schools who never had a chance to get here. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Let's win for Coach. You got us here. Here's Matt Dennison. Chad Gilbert with me. Final segment of our Monday program. Chad, we don't have a lot of time, and we've got a lot of things I want to cover. But two quick things, and you got to be quick on both of these. Number one, your help last night was so appreciated with our pairing show. You asked great questions. You brought a whole nother level to things. Thank you for your input. Number two, your take on Jawan Howard as a coach, someone that's been in heated games and had to go through handshake lines, win or lose. First off, we had a great time last night, Matt. I really enjoyed it. Wish all the teams good luck. Uh, great show and great to see the coach's perspective. Talking about Jawan Howard, Matt, that's a whole different creature. You know, that's one of those things that you see, nobody likes their hands put on them. Uh, you see where they come from on that one. Uh, usually the handshake line on that one 
could he have handled that better? Yeah, I think the blow by would have been fine, and he could have gotten his word in through back channels that he's not going to forget that. And I and I get that, you know, and, that, and that's the best way to handle it. But when you know you're in that emotion, you put that amount of time in, you want to win that game, you're disappointed. Things happen. Uh, my thing was is felt like when the actual slap came through that was a chance that he had to, you know, after he and the coach had their uh, altercation, that's a chance to just walk away and be done. I think he hung around there a little too long, got that slap in. If you look at him on the thing, I think he got out of the situation after that with one of those, ah, man, I, you know what I do? I shouldn't have done that type of deal. Um, not a good look for anybody. It's something that's going to have to be dealt with because if it's not dealt with seriously, I think that just gives every elementary, every middle school, every high school, Every college fan, player, coach, just feel like they have the right that they can do whatever they want to whoever they want, whenever they want, and serve a suspension. You know, there's got to have to be uh, some harsh ramifications, unfortunately. And, and, you know, and I'm one of those guys that gives you two or three chances, you know, to try to get through this type of stuff, to try to work through it. Uh, I just don't know if this is the right the right situation for that. Tough call. It's one of those, those deals that the guys who – are making the call. They're educated. They know what's going on. They're going to make the best decision for their university. It'll be interesting just to sit back and see how it plays out. I tell you what, I love everything about Jawan Howard. When I was a kid, Me too. I, I had Me the too. Fab Five shorts. Uh, I love Michigan bringing him back as a former player and uh, an NBA guy as well. I love what he's done there so far. I mean, the recruiting, he's elevated their recruiting. I know it's been a little bit of a disappointing season. Maybe they were overrated a bit heading into the year. I, I think that that's a fair statement. But So I'm not trying to hate on Jawan Howard at all, but – as a guy that's involved in basketball, as you when you talk about elementary, youth, middle school, high school coaches, uh, examples have to be set, and this cannot become a common thing. Little shake up here and there in a handshake line, a coach blows by somebody else or cusses another coach or whatever. That stuff's happened for years, but physical altercations in college basketball. There's been an uptick of them. And, Chad, from a high school perspective, there were a couple rough-ups this weekend in some high school games. And earlier last week in Fort Wayne, I don't like it at all, and I, I hate to say this, but I wouldn't have a problem if Jawan Howard was fired over this. You know, and that's the thing. As fans, as adults, as parents, we got to keep things in perspective. Our kids are in that opportunity to go out there and compete and learn. You know, do I think the handshake line – is an issue? No. The handshake line is not an issue. Am I a fan of the handshake line? I've never been a fan of the handshake line. And it's not because of sportsmanship. It's just because something that could happen. Why Why not just eliminate something that could happen? I like the pandemic when guys would wave at each other. You know, And these guys know each other. It's not like after the game, they're not in the tunnel and they're waiting on each other and hugging it out or they're texting each other and they're, they're doing their thing. These guys have played on the same circuit teams, some of them played in the same high school teams, some of them from the same uh, counties that, you know, they've got strong friendship bonds, you know, where after the game, before they get on the bus, before that guy leaves, they're, they're in the back and they're uh, talking to each other and doing their thing afterwards. So it's one of, the, one of those deals. I think that would just eliminate an issue that could occur in the future. It is not a problem. I, I don't mind the sportsmanship. I, I get where it's coming from, but if it's an opportunity, I'll, I'll give you an example on us. We quit circle ups on our field, and the reason is, is why give someone an opportunity in the circle up line? And what, what I mean by circle ups, we used to circle up on our football field. Our coaches would talk to the community, would talk to the cheerleaders, talk to the team. He'd get them riled up, 
but it's just going to take that one time of why is my son not the quarterback anymore? And guess what? We got an altercation out there in front of a thousand people that neither coaches. You catch a coach after the game; their tensions are high. He's not going to back down. That parents, if he's going, if that parent's going to say something there, he's not going to back down. And they got a thousand people watching it. Why put yourself in that position? Yeah, no question. Chad Gilbert, my guest. Chad, let's quickly get to some local stuff. Uh, Got to give some props to Coach Shane and the Silver Creek ladies. They're headed back to the 3A state championship game. A little rough uh, in some scary moments in the first half against Chittard over the weekend, but Kennedy Mason-Stryverson, Emmy Rooney, and others really good in the second half, and, and the Dragons are going back to compete for the state title. A great team, a battle-tested team. Uh, Coach Shane's done a great job coaching them, and they put themselves in a position to – defend their state championship. What more could you ask for out of that one? So congratulations to the Dragons. The good news is they're playing for a state championship, and hopefully they can bring another one home to Southern Indiana in the Mid-Southern Conference. The bad news is, whether it's bad news for 4A or bad news is for the Dragons, they'll bump up to 4A next season. Yeah, that's going to be interesting, and that's something that we haven't talked about yet. Uh, Silver Creek girls will move to 4A next season, regardless the result on Saturday. Uh, sectional pairings, we talked a lot about it last night, Chad. I love the layout at Seymour and Salem and even Borden. I think we've got some great games ahead here over the next few weeks. It's going to be outstanding, Matt, and I hope. This is the one thing I hope, Matt. Tuesday nights, Thursday nights, Fridays this week or whatever, this is our senior nights. These kids have been through a lot of stuff the last two years. Our restrictions have been left. Our COVID restrictions have been lifted. As fans, not just of our players, of our schools, but in our communities, Let's get out and support these kids in these last home games and just kind of lead that into the sectional, letting these kids know how much we appreciate the adversity they have went through the last couple of years and and cheer them on. And more than anything, have a good time supporting these kids and supporting the communities because uh, this is something we've all waited for for our uh, restrictions to be lifted, and we hope people enjoy it and get out and show how much you enjoy it. All right, Chad Gilbert with me Mondays on the program to talk local sports. Entering a great time of year. The regular season wraps up this week. Boys tournament underway. Girls state finals coming up. Big Ten tournament. NCAA March Madness just around the corner. I said this yesterday when you helped get the commissioner of the IHSA on our program. It's just a great time to be a Hoosier. A great time to be from the state of Indiana. No question, Matt. We're 20 days away from Selection Sunday. You think about the High school tournaments that start off next week, the region, there's not a better weekend than high school sports than regional weekend. You think about all the different games that go on. You factor that in with conference tournaments. Think about some of the conference tournaments that are around the SEC tournament, the Big Ten tournament. A lot of action leading into the big dance. So there's a lot of great basketball. It's a great time to be a fan in general, just sports. And I hope people take the opportunity to enjoy this. All right, uh, Chad Gilbert. Chad, thanks again for last night. Uh, appreciate having you on Mondays. A lot of fun, and I know people enjoy the local perspective and uh, your experience. So, again, thanks. Matt, it is a lot of fun. I appreciate everything you do. Thanks for the run and everything you do for Southern Indiana Sports. I appreciate it. Chad Gilbert joins me Mondays. That's going to wrap things up here on this Monday program. IU tonight, 6 o'clock is the pregame show. 7 o'clock tip-off, the Hoosiers at Ohio State. We'll be back tomorrow at 11 a.m. to talk about all of it. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison.